words in my, of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It was 10 years ago this summer when I took a group of teenagers, it was about 40 or 50 of them, down to inner city Atlanta on a mission trip to work with homeless people. Now, at our church, we had gotten used to doing work type of trips where we would go and build homes or fix up homes for someone um, a lot of times in like rural Appalachia and doing a trip like that. And so when I introduced this idea of going in an urban setting and working primarily with homeless people, I remember trying to sell this trip uh, to people at the church and people who were going to work with us and say, we're not going to build anything. Mostly we'll just talk to people. It was a tough sell. And many of these students grew up like me. They grew up a little bit sheltered, not having spent much time around people who were homeless, maybe going to the soup kitchen once or twice in their growing up. And they were definitely nervous going throughout the spring semester as we got ready each month in monthly meetings for the team and got prepared to go. But here's what happened while we were there. Students' lives were changed, which is the dream of a youth pastor. It's literally the point of their existence, and it's also my point of existence, right, is to see lives changed, for them to be turned around and drawn closer into the heart of God. Every night on this trip, we would ask the question and answer together, where did you see God today? And you know what happened? is that we didn't have enough time ever any night to hear from all the students about the ways in which they saw God working through conversations they had, through interactions and experiences that they had. Now here's the deal. In Fuquay Verena and around the area in the Triangle, there are homeless people. We encounter homeless people right here in our neighborhood today. But there was something about going to another place, like just far enough away, and being asked to do something that these students normally wouldn't do. I remember one day, one of our assignments was to just be in this park where many people gathered and to literally just go up and make conversation and talk with people. You wanna talk about something that is awkward for a 15-year-old boy to do is to just go up and talk to someone uh, in a park environment or something like that, let alone awkward for a 55-year-old person to do, right? But it was a life-changing experience. It was especially life-changing for them to talk to and pay attention to people who usually we try to ignore or shun. Now, Ezekiel has a strange calling in his life. Ezekiel, in chapter 1, we learn, was called to be a priest. He was from the privileged people. He was going to be a priest. It tells us that he was 30 years old when he got this calling, and a priest at 30 entered their ordination. They had been training for five years officially. They would first receive sacrifices at the age of 30, and it's right then, right then, where Ezekiel's life is thoroughly screwed up, which means that it was genuinely God doing something in his life. And he sees this vision of God while he is on the banks of the river in Babylon. And the scene we have today is kind of part of this vision. And Ezekiel's whole book is guided by these three visions that he has throughout the book. But the first one he sees is this movable throne of God that flies in the air. And it is flying. It is held up by four creatures on four corners. They each have 
a four-sided face. One is a lion and another looks like a human. And it's a, a really crazy kind of scene. And, and, and they have these wings that sound like a th- roaring thunder when they, when they, when they blow. And, and, and the throne can get up and down and move around. And above the throne is the glory of God. And so God speaks to Ezekiel out of the glory in this scene today. And the surprising part for Ezekiel right away is that this throne of God, this throne that would have symbolized God's very presence that should be at the temple in Jerusalem is in Babylon. And you see, Israel was just into being in exile in Babylon when Ezekiel's writing. And this symbolized to Ezekiel and to the people that God essentially felt he had been kicked out of Jerusalem by the people's behavior. That he had been kicked out of the temple And in this scene today, God gives Ezekiel this scroll, right? He holds out the scroll to him, and he tells him to eat the entire scroll. Now, here's the deal. We don't usually eat paper today. Like the the weird kid in class who did that, we would say like, no, we don't eat paper, right? Or, and I imagine papyrus followed a similar uh, type of rule. And so, So that's a really strange thing that God asked Ezekiel to do. It won't be the last strange thing that God asked Ezekiel to do. And in one sense, Ezekiel eating the scroll is akin to the priest who ate the sin offering. You see, when the priest would eat the sin offering after their ordination, it was said that that helped absolve the guilt of the person bringing the offering forward. Now, Ezekiel's going to eat this scroll, but in eating this book, he doesn't absolve anyone's guilt. Instead, he becomes the message that he will deliver to the people. Ezekiel ingests the word of God and so becomes the word of God in himself. He truly embodies a prophetic life. He takes the word of God into himself and digests it. Now, when we eat this book or eat the scroll, the theologian Karl Barth, he talks about that what happens to us is that we are able to see a world incredibly differently, that that the world that we normally see is blown wide open and instead we are called to inhabit what he calls the strange new world of the Bible. And in fact, that's what Ezekiel does in his living He invites the people of Israel to see an entirely different, an entirely more vast and more substantial world. Jesus later will call this world the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. In Ezekiel's calling, I found this description fascinating. In in, in chapter 3, verse 7, it says, But the house of Israel, they will refuse to listen to you because they refuse to listen to me. The whole house of Israel is hard-headed and hard-hearted too. I've now hardened your face so you can meet them head on. I've made your forehead like a diamond, harder than stone. Don't be afraid of them or shrink away from them because they are a household of rebels. Now, we've heard about people being hard-hearted in Israel before. The people most was Pharaoh and the people of Egypt, right? Moses went to Pharaoh, keeps saying, let my people go. They keep saying, no. Pharaoh keeps saying, no, I'm not going to because he's hard-hearted and the 10 plagues happen and Pharaoh still won't let the people go because he is hard-hearted, we learn. But now in this passage, it's Israel who has a hard heart. 
And what God is going to do to encounter Israel's hard heart and hard head is he's going to give Ezekiel a hard head, right? Which is hilarious the way it gets described. He's going to make it like a diamond, right? You're going to have a forehead like a diamond, right? Which is a very hard surface. And, and, and I wonder what that means for Ezekiel. Because I think that at some point it means that someone who is called to the prophetic life at some point has to give up caring what other people think of them. Because Ezekiel truly had to get over caring about what other people think. To varying degrees, I think we all need a degree of this today. Ezekiel was born into the higher level of society in Israel. He was supposed to be a priest. He was supposed to carry the status quo on and, and, and be that good soldier like he's supposed to be. And in a moment, when he has a vision of this flying throne and eating a scroll, he abandons that calling for one with far less definition and far more precarity. For Ezekiel is guaranteed to experience rejection. In all of his prophetic ministry, Ezekiel shows he is not like the rebellious house of Israel, but he is always going to remain in solidarity with them. So he is going to embody the suffering that, that Israel has to take on in his very life. He has to identify with these people even when they're going to reject him. And then God picks Ezekiel up in a whirlwind, and he brings him back into reality. And we learn that Ezekiel is going to be a lookout, it says, or a sentinel. Now, in military terms, a sentinel, their job was to be the one who sounded the alarm that an attack is coming, right? Once the sentinel sounded the alarm, it was on the inhabitants of the city, on the other soldiers and everyone, to get out of Dodge and to clear out. But the sentinel had to sound the alarm. If the sentinel didn't sound the alarm, they were surely put to death. Ezekiel's mission is thus something that he could choose to do, but it truly matters. This is a life and death operation for Ezekiel. For his appointment as the sentinel, his appointment as the lookout, is the one final mercy that God offers to Israel. The one last chance is how it seems to be. So unlike Isaiah and Jeremiah, who we've read before, and Jeremiah is Ezekiel's contemporary in this, Ezekiel's going to embody this word that he has eaten in some very different and peculiar ways. In the next chapter, God tells Ezekiel to make a model of Israel. Think like a diorama in a history class. And then he tells them to make the bridges and the ramparts and everything, and then to destroy it, to show what's going to happen to the people of Israel. And then if that's not enough, he then tells Ezekiel to lay on your side for 390 days, facing one direction, to be bound up, because Israel, the northern kingdom, had been rebellious towards him for 390 years. And so he's to do that and then cook his food over his own stuff. And so he's, that's what Ezekiel's instructed to do for 390 days. And then God says, and then turn on your other side for 40 days because Judah was rebellious to me for 40 days and do the same thing. There are a number of other signs that Ezekiel performs, almost like parables, but they are real life examples 
In this first scripture we heard today, right? Ezekiel's wife dies as a sign to Israel that they are going to lose what they love as well. And there's plenty of other signs all throughout Ezekiel. His very life becomes a mirror of God's judgment to Israel. It's like God is saying, nothing else worked to get to you, people of Israel. So I'm going to do one last thing. Here's Ezekiel, my servant, and he's going to do the craziest, most outlandish stuff, like a guy on the street corner doing something just absolutely bizarre so that maybe, just maybe, you'll pay attention and repent, so that maybe a few of you will be that remnant who can return to Israel. On the second day that we were serving in Atlanta, Erica came back to the church that we were gathered at. We were in different teams. And Erica came back and I said, Erica, where's your shoes? Because Erica came back, sophomore in high school, without shoes on that day. And at first I was thinking, good Lord, you walked all the way through downtown Atlanta without your shoes on, like you could have gotten cut by glass like very parentally and things like that. And then I was like, then your mom's gonna kill me if you gave away your shoes, stuff like that. And then, but then I learned that she had met someone and she said, well, she needed her shoes more than me. So I gave them to her on the street that day. And Erica walking around barefoot in the streets of Atlanta that day was a reminder of just how much that we each have how oftentimes I have to find like a new space for a pair of shoes or something like that, and, and how much we take for granted. Erica, 15, was willing that day to be a sign to all of us, to be just a little bit weird. And so I wonder, is part of the calling to follow God always just a little bit quirky. I wonder, are you being called to live just a little more strangely today as a lookout for God's world? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.